South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanz in Washington working on this program, Their Remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Wednesday, September 14, 2022. South Sudan's first Vice President Riyad Machar says his country might pull out of a global oil consortium. So we must compete whatever we have on the ground. And a feeding program has boost school attendance in South Sudan's capital, Juba. The food program at school is helping me so much. Like now, many children dropped out of school because there's no food at, at school and also at home. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. South Sudan's first vice president, Riyak Machar, says his country may quit the organization of petroleum exporting countries if it interferes with the government's plan to meet its oil production target. The country's petroleum minister says South Sudan is producing 170,000 barrels of crude oil per day compared to 350,000 barrels before the civil war broke out in 2013. For VOA News, Dengai Deng has details from Juba. As a two-day oil and power conference wraps up in Juba today, First Vice President Riyak Machar says South Sudan intends to boost oil production in order to fund basic services like health, education and clean water. I think it is not a secret that we are dependent on this one single product, oil. Our budget is based on it. Our non-oil revenues are not yet developed as others have developed theirs to assist the revenues that come from oil. So we seriously are thinking of increasing our production, not tripling it, but multiplying it ten times forward. Machar says South Sudan's petroleum ministry has had difficulties with OPEC plus over its crude oil target in the past. And as a result, Juba may consider pulling out if the group interferes with the country's ability to meet its ambitious oil production plans. If we decide, and some of these gentlemen and ladies, if they decide to invest in the oil sector, and we increase our production to 2 million medically, you will not have problems with OPEC. And if you have problems, then we'll ask you, can you quit? It's membership. Because you are now talking of transition from fossil fuel to new energy. So we must compete, whatever we have on the ground. Machar says South Sudan plans to increase crude production and become a oil hub in the East Africa. 
OPEC Plus has been criticized in recent months for not increasing production quickly enough amid the tight global crude market exacerbated by Russia's invasions of Ukraine. In August, OPEC Plus members produced an estimated 3.4 million barrels per day, less than what the quotas allow. OPEC Plus has asked members who overproduce the quarter to make up for their past overproduction by making production cuts before the end of the year when the current agreement expires. South Sudan has yet to submit its plans to compensate for its average, insisting that global events should allow the country to produce more oil. South Sudan Petroleum Minister Port Kang Chol also points out that his country is not a major polluter and therefore should be allowed to increase production. It will not be fair if I produce, if my omission is zero and yours is 100% and you say... Let's hang ourselves using one rope. South Sudan or Africa as a whole, 90% of what we have remain untapped. There is no pollution here in South Sudan, but it is happening elsewhere. But we are being told you are the one polluting the environment. How did we do that? For heaven's sake. The process needs to be fair to all of us so that we also benefit from what we have. As the only major oil-producing nation in East Africa, South Sudanese officials say the country is of strategic importance to the entire region and is well-positioned to trigger new investments and long-term developments. Regional energy ministers and global oil executives from Europe, North America and Arab countries are attending the Juba conference. South Sudanese officials believe the event consolidates the country's position as a hub for petroleum industry, services and exploration in the country and across the region. For VOA News, I am Dengaiding in Juba. Education officials say a school feeding program supported by the World Food Program is helping to increase enrollment and retain students in schools. The head teacher at Juba One Primary School says the food provided by World Food Program is the only meal of the day for some students. For VOA News, Sheila Pony reports from Juba. Food is seen as important safeguard which encourages parents to keep their children in school. Kuyok Abol Kuyok, the undersecretary in South Sudan's General Education Ministry, says the school feeding program is particularly important for the country's most vulnerable children. Schools that have uh, school feeding programs are oversubscribed. Okay? And schools that do not have, 50% of schools that do not have school feeding were actually at the perfect of, of closure. So uh, this indicates how Mary Samuel Jada, the head teacher at Juba One Primary School, says for three years the pupils in her school have benefited from WFP's school feeding program. Jada says for many children, the hate and nutritious WFP provided food is the only meal they receive for the entire school. This program helped the, the children in a school to stay in a school from morning to evening. 
hours. And then uh, to, to, to give them chance to be healthy also. Because uh, others' families, there's no food, one meal they, they take. But now this program helping them. And then they succeed in classes. No absent daily, they will come to school. Here is what some of the pupils at Juba One Primary School had to say about the school feeding program. The food program at school is helping me so much. Like now, many children dropped out of school because there's no food at, at school and also at home, no food. But even last time here, yeah, some food was there. And then this girl here, when she went home, she got no food at home. Even the siblings didn't eat. So she came and took the remaining food from school here at home. Yeah, the, the food is very important because to me it's very important because even when you didn't eat, you cannot understand in class, especially mathematics, you cannot able to understand. That's why I say that the food in school here is very Many people will not come to school even to forget about school when, when the food is not around because they, they, they don't have enough money at home to come come and buy food in school here. Because like some some children, even they, they, they're not taking tea even. Makena Walker, acting country director for the WFP in South Sudan, says for three years, her agency ran the school feeding program in more than 1,000 schools across South Sudan. Walker says during that time, more than 500 pupils benefited from the WFP school feeding program. But due to a shortage in funds, WFP had to suspend the program in about 470 schools in July last year. After receiving a donation of $1.3 million from the French government in, in July this year to feed more than 20,000 children in South Sudan, WFP resumed the school feeding program in 260 schools across the country. WFP says more than 60,000 vulnerable children in South Sudan face the risk of either going to school hungry or dropping out entirely due to a lack of funding for the school feeding program. The agency says the school feeding program hangs in the balance as WFP seeks at least $2.67 million to keep the program running. This year, um, WFP, and of course I'm talking The head teacher of Kinji Boarding School says the school had more than 1,300 students enrolled in 2019. But now enrollment has dropped to less than 1,000 people after WFP suspended the school feeding program because of shortage in funds. Children are not regular attending classes because of, they used to go to the village looking for food and then... Others may even fall sick due to insufficient feeding at home. But formally, we don't encounter these uh, uh, problems. But for now, on a daily basis, two to three people may fall sick. When examined, finally, it may be realized that it is just an uh, issue of being underfed. Uh, under when feeding program is cut, some people will do their children, they take to the village. 
Studies have shown that school feeding programs help improve attendance and performance rates and are also a significant motivator for parents to send their children in school. Under the WFP's country strategic plan for 2023-2025, the agency will expand the school feeding program to severely food insecure locations in South Sudan, mainly in flooded affected areas. Kuyok says the funding crisis jeopardizes an entire generation with far-reaching consequences for South Sudan. We, I think, to try and, and uh, mobilize the resources so that we can, we can uh, improve uh, school feeding and, and increase provision. According to the most recent 2022 Integrated Phase Classification or IPC analysis, South Sudan's overall food security is deteriorating and malnutrition levels are rising. 7.74 million people are at risk of severe acute hunger. For VOA News, I am Sheila Pony in Juba. From Juba, we move to Nairobi, where William Ruto is the new president of the Republic of Kenya after being sworn in in a ceremony attended by thousands of Kenyans and delegates across Africa, including President Salva Kiir. African presidents who attended the event applauded Kenyans for carrying out a peaceful election. At the same time, President Ruto appointed former President Uhuru Kenyatta to continue with peace negotiations between the Democratic Republic of Congo and the East African community. For VOA News, Morino Giambo reports from Nairobi. This moment is a moment like no other. And today I want to thank God because a village boy has become the president of Kenya. African leaders flocked in big numbers gracing the swearing-in ceremony of President William Ruto at the Kasarani International Stadium in Nairobi. Among the African leaders recognized at the event were African Union Chairperson Mosafaki and presidents of various African countries. Speaking after taking the oath of office, Ruto said that in most cases the elections in Kenya have been marred by violence. But he says the August polls were peaceful. Our politics and our elections have never failed to be a most emotive, engaging, and dramatic. The most recent installment, however, showcased our most exemplary democratic performance. This day comes on the back of a peaceful election following an intense issue-based campaign in which major coalitions made up of strong political parties canvassed their agenda and took it for examination by the people of Kenya. At least 19 heads of states across Africa and other political leaders were in attendance. Speaking at the ceremony, Uganda's President Yoweri Museveni asked African leaders to create wealth and build the economy of their countries. All of the political class in Africa, I would appeal to you to answer that question. Where does prosperity come from? According to my experience of 60 years, I would advise Africans to know that prosperity comes from wealth creation. We must create wealth. And wealth is not the same as natural resources. You may have natural resources, but you don't get wealth out of them. Kenya has experienced election violence following the past three elections. However, 
Tanzanian President Samia Suluhu says Kenyans have been at peace since election day in August. She's saying that my Kenyan brothers and sisters, we appreciate you for showing democracy and holding a peaceful election. And today we are here as Kenyans and the East African community to celebrate our new president. Let me tell you, Kenyans, if there is a gift you gave to us as East African community, it is the peace you maintained during the elections. Ruto and his deputy Rigadi Gashagwa are facing an economic crisis where food and fuel prices are rising by day and overwhelming public debt amounting to 83 billion US dollars. In his speech, Gashagwa said that they are inheriting a failed economy and that is almost facing a shutdown. Ruto promised to deliver to Kenyans regardless of their political alignment. Reporting for views, I am Murino Jambo. In Nairobi, Kenya. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, Chinese influence on Africa. Find out more after the break. a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on south sudan in focus we look forward to hearing from you on whatsapp that number again plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one Forget the Silk Road, the new frontier in China's quest for influence in Africa involves going beyond the planet Earth as the Asian giant looks to the continent as a key partner in its space ambitions. Ballet reports. What do astronauts eat in space? That's what one Ethiopian student wanted to know last week when he and young Africans from eight countries took part in a dialogue with Chinese astronauts in orbit. The event via video link was organized by China's mission to the African Union. Here's the answer to the food question by one of the Chinese astronauts, Sai Shu Jia, broadcast by Chinese state media CGTN. Every ground team has prepared more than 1,000 varieties of food. Look, we have delicious purple rice porridge. Tasty, sauteed sweet corn, sauteed diced beef in black pepper sauce. We also have rice. The event was a show of soft power on Beijing's part, but also indicates the importance the country is placing on the role Africa can help it play in the global space race, experts said. Timmy Day or Oniosan, a Nigerian space scientist and managing director of the website Space in Africa, told VOA the African space economy in 2021 was valued at $19.49 billion and is forecast to grow by some 16% in the next four years. The space industry in Africa is growing at an incredible rate. Hence, countries and regions like China, Europe, Russia and the U.S. are beginning to compete for a stake in the industry. However, as of this year, only 13 African countries have 48 satellites. 
six of them built by China. China launched Nigeria's first communications satellite in 2007 and its second four years later. It also launched Algeria's first communications satellite in 2017, as well as the first satellites for Ethiopia and Sudan in 2019. In 2018, experts said Tunisia was the site of the first ground-receiving station outside of China for its Beidou satellite navigation system. Space may be more abstract than China's Belt and Road Initiative infrastructure projects throughout Africa, but those projects may be one motivation for China's interest in African nations' space programs, analysts say. Kate Bartlett for VOA News, Johannesburg. Egypt announced the sale of nearly 40 billion in assets over four years to try to revive an economy in crisis. Several Gulf countries have jumped at the opportunity and have already spent some 20 billion US dollars on the acquisition of public assets for sale. Egypt has been going through a difficult economic period. Foreign exchange reserves are dwindling. And the country is looking for ways to pay off its foreign debt. Mohammed Anwar al-Sadat, president of the Liberal Egyptian Party Reform and Development, discussed the risky foreign acquisition of profitable Egyptian assets with VOA's senior analyst Mohammed al-Ashanawi. Simply, we all know that Egypt is through quite a, a difficult time, politically and, of course, economically. And we have seen that the government have been announcing for this 40 billion sales in assets over the coming four years. And we have seen that some of the Gulf countries, of course, they would like to make use of this opportunity by stepping in and trying to acquire and get some of our best projects or assets, banks, industrial companies, fertilizers, and petrochemicals, other things. So my take on this is that we have to be careful because this is very precious assets and it does serve most of Egyptians and we have to be careful about it because I would have rather preferred that those investors whether it's sovereign fund or even private companies from the Gulf, that they should have initiated new projects whereby we can have added value, new employments, new markets, but taking over some of the existing successful projects or assets, I see it of no help to Egypt. That's why I was not very happy with this. According to data published by the World Bank in mid-July, Egypt would have to repay $33 billion in debt, including interest, in the period between March 2022 and March 2023, equivalent to the country's current foreign exchange reserves. How did the Egyptian parliament deal with the debt crisis and the acquisition? Honestly, the Egyptian parliament have no big say on this. We do have this uh, budget and planning committee who is supposed to oversight and to monitor all, let's say, agreements which Egypt made. But they are not really that strong when it comes to questioning or making life difficult for those economists or uh, government officials and the Minister of Finance who go for this kind of agreements. So I don't see that the parliament have a big say when it comes to this kind of borrowing money. So I 
I can see that those who are more concerned are the experts, are the intellectuals, politicians. They are the one who is raising the questions. How come we have all this foreign debt, which we are supposed, as you mentioned, to pay back in a very short time, like a year from March 22 to March 23, whether the figure is 33 billion or less which is representing, I would say, big pressure on Egypt economy and which making life difficult for any kind of current and future development, especially for the most important services like healthcare, education, and other social justice programs, you know. So it's really quite a difficult situation, although the government is somehow confident that they can deal with this. The government believe that they have the means and the resources that they can deal with all these challenges, which I see it a bit difficult, you know, because we know our resources, we know our different incomes, which is not that great. Although we do have, of course, a big support from the Gulf countries, especially during the last couple of months, they have been positively supporting Egypt. But that will not last. And we have seen that they start to ask for assets, equities, guarantees for their money, you know, whom they are dumping to help Egypt's economic situation. That's Anwar Sadat, president of the Liberal Egyptian Party Reform and Development. He was speaking with VOA's senior analyst Mohammed Al-Ashanawi. A hospital official in Ethiopia's Tigray region says an airstrike Tuesday in the capital Makele hit a university campus and a TV station, wounding at least one person. A hospital official in the Tigrayan capital of Makele says an airstrike hit the city Tuesday morning. Kibron Gebrselassi, the CEO of Ada Referral Hospital, told the Reuters news agency that the regional government-run Dimitsi Wayane TV station and the business campus of Makele University were hit by the strike. On Twitter, Tigrayan government spokesperson Getachu Raider said Ethiopian government drones hit the business campus of the school. An Ethiopian government spokesperson did not immediately respond to a request for comments. The strike comes two days after Tigrayan officials appeared to offer an olive branch to the Ethiopian federal government saying they will agree to peace negotiations mediated by the African Union. Tigray had previously demanded the Kenyan government mediate the talks. The federal government has stated it is ready to start talks with no requirements, although a humanitarian blockade and a banking and telecoms blackout remain in place on Tigray. On Sunday, UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez called on the parties to seize this opportunity for peace and to take steps to end the violence definitively and opt for dialogue. Fighting in Ethiopia's nearly two-year civil war resumed after a five-month ceasefire on August 24th. Henry Wilkins for VOA News, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. Hello, I'm VOA health correspondent Lenore Modou. 
The World Health Organization and Africa Centers for Disease Control say we all can help fight the global pandemic by frequently washing our hands or using hand sanitizers. For more information on protecting yourself and others, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. That's all we prepared for you this Wednesday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. For world news, go to voanews.com. If you missed this broadcast, go to voanews.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with Korea and the song Salam Darfur. song Salam Darfur. I'm your host, John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for allowing us into your homes, phones, and vehicles. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.